This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Thursday the 24th of June 2021. And for all those parents who are counting down to the school holidays in the Sydney metro region, there's basically, it's not a lockdown, but it's a a lot of restrictions have come into place over the last 24 hours or so, Norman, in Sydney because of the growing outbreak there. Uh, And the restrictions, yeah, like we say, it's not a lockdown, but it's maybe a lockdown light. Well, I think they just don't want to use the word lockdown. If you can't travel out of Sydney, you can't have more than five people to your home, there's widespread mask wearing, there's a lot of discouragement of working and uh, going into work. It's very close to a lockdown. It's not just not calling it that. So what has, I mean, we were talking yesterday about how Sydney didn't need a lockdown because we were pretty sure we sort of knew we, being not us, the contact tracers and the public health officials in New South Wales sort of had a pretty good handle on where the virus had been and where people who had been exposed had been. What's changed over the last day or so? Well, what's emerged is uh, a super spreading event, which is a birthday party a few days ago, where I think there were 30 people. And so far, 10 of those people, as, we, as, we, as we're recording the CoronaCast, it could be more by the time people turn on CoronaCast in the morning. So that's a 30% attack rate. That's huge. It's probably going to be bigger than that. So this was a major super spreading event, emphasizes what we're talking about many times before, which is that particularly indoor events at home without adequate ventilation. This, you know, this is winter that we're talking about, a particularly cold winter in Sydney. And you're going to get these events. And this is what's happened in a very contagious virus. There's virus circulating in the community. They're not quite sure exactly where it is. They've got a reasonable handle on it. They probably will tie down the mystery cases they've got so far. But at the moment, not everything is tied down. And there are pings in the sewage north of Sydney on the Hawkesbury. Is this the Delta variant at work or would this have happened even with the ancestral virus just because humans are humans? It could have happened with the ancestral virus. Uh, It's just probably more likely to happen with this virus. And you're certainly seeing more situations where not intense contact, less than intense contact is giving you transmission. So it's worrying. And it was seen in Victoria with the Kappa variant, and this is the Delta variant, which is even more contagious. How long do we see these restrictions being in place for? They might they might increase, they might decrease, but we've talked before about how clusters tend to burn themselves out within about three weeks. Is that the time frame that we'd be looking at? Yes, that's probably what we're talking about here. I can't remember the exact timing, but I noticed that yesterday the Victorian government lifted restrictions, for example, on the R-Care aged care home in uh, Maidstone. That's now off the list, and that's probably about three three weeks or so. I'll, I'll lose track of time. But yes, eventually, when you've got no more cases and you've gone through a couple of incubation cycles, some would say three incubation cycles. So three incubation cycles is anywhere between 15 and 24 days. So three weeks is about right. So where do you think Sydney's heading over the next couple of days? We were told yesterday there were cases yesterday that were going to flow into today. We don't know exactly those numbers today, but the numbers will be significant Thursday. And hopefully they will start to decline as they get on top of it. But if they don't decline and they stay at this level and you find more suburbs being involved, they're going to have no option but to throw the whole of Greater Sydney into lockdown for maybe a week. So lockdowns and and other restrictions that aren't full lockdowns are important public health interventions. But we've had a really interesting question from Katya, who's an Australian citizen who resides in Sydney. She's been fully vaccinated since May with Pfizer. Should she be fully subject to all the border travel restrictions even though she's been vaccinated? 
your catcher is right that the the carrot that's dangled in front of people is that if you're fully vaccinated, you get to travel. And that's already happening in some parts of the world that, for example, Europe, they're accepting any WHO approved vaccine um, for travel. But really, in the end, that doesn't prevent infection. It may reduce the chances of transmission quite dramatically, but doesn't prevent it altogether. What it does do is means that if you travel to you know have your holiday on the Costa del Sol and you catch COVID and you're immunized, you're unlikely to get very sick. You'll just get a common you know common cold symptoms. In the Australian situation, we were trying to go for zero spread. Um, the vaccine unfortunately does not guarantee that. It is hard, isn't it? I mean, the benefits of being vaccinated are self-evident and, you know, benefit you as an individual, but it would be kind of maybe an additional uh, incentive for people to to go and book that vaccination if they thought that they could get other perks as well. It would. And probably when we get to 50, 60% immunisation nationally, that's probably then the sort of uh, incentive that you could provide people is that to, go, to go to the next stage where we've we're not too far away from herd immunity and we could then start to say to people who've been vaccinated, but the, in the middle of an outbreak, it's a courageous decision to allow vaccinated people free travel because they could be carrying the virus. And the other thing, the other news that sort of came out yesterday was about Brisbane and hotel quarantine and that there was another leak in hotel quarantine. It seems a little ironic to me, Norman, that one of the places in Australia that you're more likely than others to get COVID is in quarantine. Yes. I mean, I'm not sure that it's this particular case escaped from hotel quarantine, but it's certainly a spread from somebody who was positive to a couple who were negative. I think that's the way it worked on, the, on this one. To be honest, every Australian should be outraged by this, that we are forcing people to go into quarantine when they come back to Australia to protect the community. But then we are subjecting them to unacceptable risk. Put aside the risk to the general community of hotel quarantine leaking, like the flight attendant, for example, going out to the community in Queensland. You've got the Willet Man in Victoria. You've got this situation here where somebody comes in negative and goes out positive or doesn't go out positive, catches the virus. You're putting their lives at risk. Where is our duty of care? Don't we care about these people we're bringing in? We're, we're forcing them into an unsafe environment. I know I'm sounding angry. Well, actually, I am angry on behalf of those people. It's not just a risk to the community, it's a risk to individuals. How dare we as a country, how dare we insist on that and put people into an unsafe environment? We have a duty of care to people coming in from overseas. And the argument is that it's the fact that these facilities aren't fit for purpose, but we have evidence that shows us what we could do to improve it. We have a lot of evidence. And the situation in New South Wales is actually also outrageous. The Clinical Excellence Commission has guidelines in New South Wales which are not fit for purpose and don't acknowledge modern ventilation problems, how to solve them, and the risks involved. And there are, it is deficient in three or four different areas. When you're saying the situation in New South Wales, you're, you're talking about the guidelines that guide hotel quarantine in New South Wales. Thank you. Yes. Uh, from the Clinical Excellence Commission. So we've asked various questions of the New South Wales government and we um, have been assured personally that they do take uh, aerosol spread very seriously, but these guidelines have not yet been revised and I'm told they might be, but let's hope they are. 
And what about other states? I haven't done an exhaustive survey of other states, but these these guidelines tend to follow the Infections Control Expert Group guidelines, but they, they too have changed recently. So to be fair, maybe we're going to get a tighter arrangement moving forward, but there's really got to be serious audits of, of ventilation and air circulation in hotels. And it's more than just door opening. I know that we made a, a lot of the door, the 18 second space between one door opening and then closing and then the other door opening in the hotel quarantine in South Australia. But it's more than that. It's where you think you've got negative pressure in a room and it's not negative pressure and it gets out from under the door, gets through, gets through light fittings. It's just can get everywhere. I haven't been keeping account of it, but it does feel like it's happening quite regularly at the moment, which is probably a function of the fact that there is so much COVID overseas and we happily are mostly well protected from it. But it means that there's a relatively high volume of people coming through. So the risk of it escaping increases. Yes, that's 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 right. Although it's not a huge number of people who are infected. And so you can no longer say, well, it's, you know, it's fantastic. It's one in you know, 350,000 people, whatever the number is, have come through. And look how few, how few spreads of infection we've had. But the reality is that the uh, paper done by Tony Blakely at the University of Melbourne and his colleagues in New Zealand showed at the point that they did that study, which I think was about a month or so ago, that the, the rate is one in 172 infections. So one leak for every 172 infections coming in. That is a lot. We're getting anxious about a clotting syndrome, which is one and a half to two people in a full MCG of people and the rate of dying is one person in 20 or 30 MCGs and we've got leaks at one in 172. Well, that's all we've got time for on Coronacast today. If you want to ask a question, go to abc.net.au slash coronacasts, click on Ask a Question, and we'll get to them because tomorrow is Quickfire Friday. We always promise Quickfire Friday, but we don't always deliver on it, Norman. Yeah, slow fire, slow draw, slow fire. We'll try and get to it. (laughs) See you then.